0: Welcome back to the Getting Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. G.K. Chesterton stated The question in Christian faith is not so much how it is to be believed, rather, how you came to believe it. We are drawn to this incredible high calling to live a life of holiness, to give one's whole self, heart, soul, mind, and strength to loving Christ, called to be saints. Yet at the same time, there is this kind of calm acceptance of the fact that we are miserable sinners and that we may not even come close to living the life of a saint. But the high call still summons us. And the tales of these journeys have a rhythm and rhyme that is unmatched by any poet. Chesterton would say the strongest saints and the strongest skeptics meet and each begins their journey from exactly this very point this point where evil begins. He would say that those who deny this point of demarcation also deny the existence of sin, and most likely then deny the existence of mental asylums as well, as if pointing to any fragility in man is a false assumption. Father Dwight Longnecker writes about the classic paradoxical questioning of either feeling the wrong but doing the right thing, or feeling the right in doing the wrong thing, thus being tied up with our own moral inconsistency at this point of sin, stating also that there is a kind of grace simplicity in the dignity of repentance. The truly penitent soul is simple. He sees clearly not only his own sins, but also the everlasting mercy of God. Paul writes to Titus, But when the goodness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit. This repentance, meaning turning around, going in a new direction, finding simplicity, washed clean in baptism, renewed by the Holy Spirit, does this not spark a romance in our hearts for Jesus? While we have yet to repent, and still going in a straight line, it is as if we are under a spell. When the spell that Wormtongue put on King Theoden is broken by Gandalf in the epic tale Lord of the Rings, the king's entire countenance returns to him. He rises up and becomes a new man again, a new leader, where before, while under the spell, his eyes were all glazed over, and he was as a leader who had dementia and no backbone just repeating the lies of his handler. But we are suggesting a different tale. A tale that brings a king, a knight, a prince, like you, because you are a king, to a place where that spell is broken. And like the story in Lord of the Rings, there's many parts to it. Chesterton would say to us that it is common among men in the West to have an imaginative mind that loves poetic rhythm in the telling of stories, and reminding us that the Fairy tales of old were always about a hero who was a boy and not about something called a superhero, because we should be able to see ourselves in the story, and we are not large green men, nor men wrapped in computers, nor immortal, yet. Stories about how we came to believe are not make-believe, like those of the superheroes. No, 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 not at all. But they are stories with kings and castles and heroes and tales of true life written in imagination, poetry, and rhythm. C.S. Lewis writes, Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies, let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Stories such as these are poetic and seem to live in places that we can always return to and follow that storyline once more. How much more, then, should our story explaining the how and the why we came to believe in the gospel and the adventure of that believing, with something near to a story of poetic rhythm and dance like David when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, or the Cana wedding after the water was turned into wine, or Elizabeth greeting Mary with child. This is not a promotion for sharing something like all the details you experienced on your wedding night. How each of us came to believe in the gospel is not about some single grand experience that you once had. It is more like telling the story of love that grew through many years of marriage or a journey that can only be told looking back after what seems like days and months and years to complete. You see, poets are people who never go crazy mad because their stories are written upon oceans without time and their stories rest there upon the waves till we come back to visit them again. Chesterton would tell us that men of reason and logic They do go crazy mad because they only tell stories written upon oceans that are fixed with beginnings and ends like borders. Once these journeys are completed, the stories become old and lack inspiration because there is no imagination. If there are no walls to scale, towers to climb, no gates to crash, nor barricades to charge, then men would simply say, there is no heaven or hell. It would be a story for worms. No need for heroes. Our eyes would remain glazed over and we would appear listless as with dementia and spineless as well. But men want to be inspired. But they just don't want to be told how to be inspired or told what they must experience, a a certain type of experience. Nah, men need their own words and just their stories told in their own words. Why wouldn't they? If it is true, which of course it is true, that Christ would have come and sacrificed himself just for you alone, then why wouldn't the picture of every man's words used to describe his journey to the gospel be a Rembrandt, a work of art, worth telling, worth hearing, worth repeating? All oh, you say, but the thief on the cross, he had a very short story. Did he? Can you outline all that occurred in his life? that led him to respond to Jesus the way he did, at that point where the boy and the skeptic begin their journeys, uh, his story would take a lifetime to tell. The question in Christian faith is not so much how it is to be believed, rather how you came to believe it. Why wouldn't we expect these tales to be filled with knights and castles and heroes engaged in mighty battles? where greatness is achieved by triumphs over both victory and defeat. Where the boy is once again the hero in the story, and by the story's end, his armor seems to fit so much tighter, and his blade is broader yet lighter, and now he wields it with grace and elegance because he is stronger. And we notice this in the telling, that the boy has now become a man, who is such the wiser, because he has been tested. Ain't it so? This is getting Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vibiscum.